Welcome to the Crazy Uncut Podcast, a fresh take on how to survive in this dumpster fire and still be happy, even when the world seems absolutely bonkers. I'm not a mental health care provider, and this show is not a suitable substitute for professional therapy. I'm your host and fellow crazy, Jessica Nosek. This is unfiltered, uncensored. This is crazy, uncut. Okay, for real? Remind me next time I ask you all for songs that pull at your heartstrings that I should do so with a box of tissues at the ready. Good lord, you guys all submitted such amazing songs that I swear I've been crying for like a week. Martin came in strong with Better Days from the Goo Goo Dolls. Afton killing me with Say Hello to Heaven from Soundgarden. Sarah was touched by the late Chester Bennington and Lincoln Park. Leave out all the rest. Jessica B. said Clapton's Tears in Heaven. Windsor brought in Paul McCartney's Let It Be. And Dustin, damn it, Dustin, damn near broke me with Bridge Over Troubled Waters and the loss of his father. Oh, my heart. Oh, okay, that's, that's kind of a lie. Truth be told, as I collected the suggestions and listened to everything, I still held it together. I don't know, maybe it's the antidepressants or maybe it's the many, many years of actively avoiding anything that might make us ugly cry, especially me. But I held it together until my mother suggested Somewhere Over the Rainbow and What a Wonderful World. Oh, I don't care how tough you think you are. Nobody can hold it together when they hear that big, gorgeous Hawaiian dude, may he rest, singing those songs. Nobody. I had a friend over for coffee one morning. We're both huge Beatles fans, so anytime she comes over, I always ask Alexa to play them. This particular day in my life popped up in the rotation. After the first few chords in unison, we both shouted, Alexa, skip! Hmm. Well, I know why I skipped that song. It's the song I walked down the aisle to when I married my first husband. It was beautiful. My stepdad played guitar. My fiancé's cousin played violin, and my dad walked me down the aisle. Oh, it's gorgeous. Side note, my ex-husband and I have a great friendship. He's a great guy, an amazing father, and I don't skip that song to avoid bad memories. I skip it to avoid emotion in general. <laughs> and of course, you know, the messy business of the aforementioned ugly cry. I asked you guys for songs that make you cry, or laugh, or dance, like a middle-aged white chick who's had too many trulies. Yet nobody submitted Uptown Funk. I didn't see Pharrell's happy, fits in the tantrums hand clap, no thriller, no achy breaky heart, no baby shark, no Macarena. Thank you for that, actually. That's good. Virtually every submission was either directly or indirectly related to grief, loss, mortality, or nostalgia. Remember Me from the Coco soundtrack, Black Velvet by Elena Miles, Trouble of the World by Mahalia Jackson, and Eleanor Rigby, of course, again from the Beatles, are all directly about mortality. By comparison, my friend, my musician friend, Bob Simpson in Lubbock, Texas, struggles with listening to anything by the band Bleach. Well, their music isn't specifically about death, but Bob had a personal relationship with the band and their families. One of those families lost a brother in Afghanistan. 
His grief attached itself to the band's music, forever embedding the memory of his pain. I have a, a similar song, Sweet Melissa from the Allman Brothers. Now, that song has absolutely nothing to do about death either. But it never fails to stab me in the heart Norman Bates style and remind me that one of my best friends and loves of my life has been dead for a full decade now. Lori McKenna's When You're My Age and Crystal Keith's Daddy Dance With Me aren't about grief, but the inevitable loss of innocence and youth as children grow. That full and heavy feeling in your heart that's kind of difficult to describe, that's nostalgia. And no decent dose of nostalgia is complete without a healthy serving of sadness. But nostalgia isn't defined by sadness, though. It's, it's this sort of sweet kind of sadness that pulls at you even when you're thinking about happy things, like your childhood or your relationship with your loved ones, because you're reminded that these things are finite. Your childhood is over. The time that you have left with loved ones is limited. That kind of thinking is a colossal drag, so nostalgia itself has like a three-to-one ratio of happiness and sadness so that we don't spiral into a deep, dark depression every time we see a childhood photo. But how does that happen? How does music wiggle into our heads and hijack our emotions? And why, in the name of the late, great Leonard Cohen, he's the one responsible for squeezing the life out of your tear ducts with that secret chord that David played to please the Lord and hallelujah, may he rest. Why, in the name of Leonard Cohen, did we think of the songs that make us cry? Science, turns out. According to a study that I am super stoked that I wasn't a part of, music lights up different areas of the brain and causes the release of hormones like dopamine, for example, like the brain does with all stimuli. Basically, a bunch of neuroscientists got together, hooked up a bunch of volunteers with wires and sensors all over their heads, and played them sad songs until they all cried their faces off. Meanwhile, researchers watched the monitors, showing the subjects' brains lighting up in different sections, you know, like those creepy-ass Christmas lights in the first season of Stranger Things. They determined that the subjects had a much stronger reaction, by way of long-term memory, to sad songs, or the songs that reminded them of sad things, than they did with happier songs. Nevin, our friend from the Great White North, submitted a classical piece, Tedium, when I asked for music. Now, not only did his suggestion class up my playlist, but it was the only submission to evoke a wide spectrum of emotions. In other words, instead of lighting up only like one area of our brains, by changing up the tempo, the volume, the intensity, the high and low tones generated by various instruments, classical music typically plays to a wider range of emotion, taking the listener on an emotional journey rather than just a quick jaunt down memory lane. Classical music tends to do that. Earlier, I mentioned my musician friend, Bob Simpson in Lubbock, Texas. Now, you should follow him on Instagram because that man is talented. He said he can't listen to a whole band because the memories are too painful. Yo, I get that. I'm the same way. I thought everybody was that way. In fact, we learned in the Self-Destructive Behavior series that humans operate on the pleasure principle, meaning we'll do just about anything to avoid pain. 
So I figured everyone shouts at Alexa to skip the sad songs that make us cry. Well, according to a study, I was wrong. We all love catharsis, no? It is super satisfying to slam doors when you're super grumpy, right? It's just like that amazing high, for lack of a better word, that you get after a good cry. That high is caused by endorphins and dynorphins, a.k.a. the things that make you feel better when you're in pain. Do you love a good cry from a sad song or a movie? Do you listen to the whole thing without skipping it and then just, like, feel great afterwards and go about your day? Well, according to this study, this is good, healthy even, to listen to the whole song. However, the same study reported that people with clinical depression, like yours truly, did not feel great after listening to the whole song. In fact, they felt worse. Then it was discovered that they only felt worse in the short term. The participants all reported that over the long term, listening to the music that triggered them ultimately helped them in processing their emotions. So, okay, different strokes for different folks. And we all know that those of us with mental illness process things a little differently than those without mental illness. One of the best songs and collaborations in music history is Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. In the late spring of 2008, I woke up one morning. Well, I say I woke up, I was actually still up. It's not like I was out taking tequila shots at the local honky-tonk or anything. I had a three-month-old baby who hadn't figured out how to sleep through the night yet. Every morning was the same. After a long, sleepless night, I'd shower, get dressed, then I'd change the baby into a cute little outfit, try to glue a little bow on her giant bald head to no avail. Then I'd feed her, buckle her into her little car seat, and grab a coffee, take her to daycare on my way to the office. Like all new moms, I was exhausted. I was stopped at a red light when Under Pressure came on the radio. At the time, I think it was Nike or Reebok, I don't know, had a series of commercials using that song as a soundtrack for a runner who was able to let go of life's stresses and pressures by running. The runner in the commercial looked so free and unburdened that, honestly, if memory serves, I think he starts flying or something. When that song started playing that morning on the stereo of my mom car, I really felt the pressure. The pressure to be a good mom, a good wife, have a successful career. But I was so tired. I was so tired, I really didn't think I had it in me to do anything except cry. So right there, in the middle of the intersection, as the light turned green, I sobbed. And then my baby started sobbing, which made my boobs fill up and start spraying breast milk through nipple pads, a nursing bra, an undershirt, and my regular shirt. Horns were blasting all around me, and I heard shouts from other drivers politely requesting that I move my fat ass out of their way so they could get to work. I felt paralyzed. 
but as the song came to an end, I managed to find the gas pedal and go on my way. But as soon as I sat down at my desk, I called a therapist. I had full-blown postpartum depression, obviously, because, you know, that song kicks ass and doesn't deserve such a wildly negative response. I can attest, as a certified crazy person, that the study results about people with depression feeling worse, but ultimately better, after hearing their trigger songs, were correct. I can listen to that song now with no problems. However, a couple of surprise songs popped up, Baby Mine from the original Dumbo and You Are My Sunshine. They were massive triggers from postpartum, and I still cannot bring myself to listen to either one. If you're a mom, you get it. I was born in 1979. That makes me a Gen Xer. We came of age in the 90s during the rise and fall of one of the deadliest genres in music history, grunge. Now, there's going to be a whole other episode dedicated to this because, I don't know, maybe you picked up on the fact that I just said deadliest genre. Deadliest? Good lord. Yeah, we lost a planet-sized amount of talent to drug and alcohol addiction and mental illness. Our whole generation was captivated by this new style of alternative rock and roll, and thanks to MTV, we watched these young megastars snuff themselves out one after another for a full decade. Subsequently, Gen X claims some of the highest rates of depression and anxiety, but that's, that's for a whole other day. The holidays are super stressful for a lot of people, right? But this year really might be worse, much worse. We've lost well over a quarter of a million Americans to COVID and countless more globally. So hearing Bing Crosby's I'll Be Home for Christmas might be pretty fucking devastating this year. So for those inclined and for those who are desperately trying to get through the holiday season without falling apart, I have two suggestions. Embrace the suck. Let your grief or emotions guide you, but go ahead and listen to those songs. Cry it out. Let those emotions wash over you instead of trying to fight them. It's like watching a movie, right? The whole movie is there, but if you keep pressing stop every time you feel a strong emotion, you'll never get to the end. And then create a happy playlist. In addition to the songs I mentioned earlier, Uptown Funk, Happy, that kind of a thing. Also, Hypnotize from Biggie Smalls. Oh, yeah. I also include Tomorrow from the musical Annie. I know it's kind of nerdy but it's such a sweet and hopeful song. It personally helps me turn my frown upside down every single time. So before we wrap this episode up, I want to get back to grief. Western civilization as a whole is, has a pretty unreasonable fear of death, given the fact that literally everyone dies. In our culture, we mourn the losses of our loved ones instead of celebrating the beginning of said loved one's new life in heaven or the afterlife or whatever you believe in. In our minds, death is the worst thing that could happen. So this is perhaps why grief registers so strongly with us. So in that spirit, I'm going to close with my favorite song about death. 
It's from a musical about a family of traveling gospel singers called Smoke on the Mountain. Gospel? Jess, hmm, I thought you were agnostic. Well, I am. This song is special for a couple of reasons. It's an uplifting and comforting song about what happens to us after we die. I also have a very special personal connection with this song because I got to sing it with my dad a few years ago. During rehearsals for a local production of Smoke on the Mountain, my dad, who had already been in the cast for several months, called me to tell me that one of the actresses had to drop out last minute and would I be able to step into the part? Well, holy shit. It was like three weeks until the show opened and this man thinks I can just step in last minute to a whole musical. Holy cow. Plus, the character that I was to play was 17 years old and at the time I was 38. Yikes. Well, anyway, given that this was perhaps the only opportunity that I'll have to do a show with my dad, I accepted. So when it's his time, my dad wants this played at his funeral. Yeah, that's kind of a drag. But then I remember the lyrics. And it puts a little smile back on my face. So here's me on vocals and my dad on piano on like the second day of rehearsals. So be nice. This is I'll Never Die. I'll Just Change My Address. As always, when in doubt, just do your best and try not to be a dick. Don't shed any Stigmatizing mental illness can only be done when we all pitch in. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share this show with not only those who struggle, but also with those who want to help. Be sure and visit the crazy shop 
at crazyuncut.com. A portion of the proceeds are donated to organizations dedicated to suicide prevention. Thanks for listening.